plans for my crazy day. My packed commute. All those unread emails in my inbox. But I'm getting stronger, faster, and pushing myself further every day. I don't care if I'm not like everyone else. This punching bag is the best way to end my day. Fearless is knowing yoga isn't your style. That's the power of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Federal Employee Program. Learn more about our healthy benefits at fepblue.org slash get more. You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked On Vikings on the Locked On Podcast Network. We made it all the way to episode 200. Somehow, Sage, we didn't get kicked off the air. We didn't get fired. We're still here after 200 episodes. So that's some kind of accomplishment, I guess. Yeah, 200 episodes. Here we go. So the, the we will say, and I'm sure the listeners can, can understand this, the offseason is very different than the season. We cannot wait to get back to training camp, to the season, where we talk about injuries or the upcoming opponent or scouting reports or, or reviews of how our team did uh the offseason is definitely slower but it is amazing the nfl is a 12 month out of the year uh league and so there seems like there is always something to talk about yeah i mean there's the days where i go to the studio and i've just got my hands in the air not knowing what to talk about those are pretty few and far between generally there's one or two talking points that just create themselves overnight And today we've got a couple that we're going to go over and we're going to continue with our NFL division review slash preview. We did the NFC East on Friday and today we'll talk about the NFC West, Seattle, Arizona, Los Angeles, and San Francisco. I would say about three years ago, I'd say maybe the best division in football when you had the Seahawks, Super Bowl contenders, they had some great Great battles with the San Francisco 49ers with Jim Harbaugh and Colin Kaepernick, Vernon Davis, and that fierce defense. And the Cardinals were always nipping at their heels. Rams weren't ever very good. But I think now, in the cyclical way the NFL is, you know, you've got the Seahawks aging a bit on defense. They're not quite the fearsome uh, Legion of Boom that they once were. The Cardinals were under 500 last year. And the Rams and Niners are rebuilding. So suddenly you've got a, a division that I think is on the downward spiral. This division about eight years ago was the worst in football. Yep. Uh, hands down, I, I believe was it. I don't know the year, but they went uh, seven and nine. I think the Seahawks went seven and nine and won the division. Something like that made the playoffs. Was that the year that they beat the was... Saints? Like they won the division, they so they got a home game, and then they beat the Saints with uh, that beast mode beast run. Mode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think they were seven and nine that year, and uh, so the, you know, that was when it was at its low. And then you're, you're right, it went it went to probably the best division of football. And it was not just a good division. It was a hard-hitting, great defense, great D-linemen, pass rushers, safeties that could come up and smack you. You know, San Francisco and Seattle were uh, really the heads of that. But, you know, Arizona has had some really good teams of late. Uh, They weren't as good last year, but they had some really, really, uh, you know, good teams in there. And she made 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 a uh, Super Bowl not that long ago. Uh, And then, obviously, you know, now the L.A. Rams – which have been consistently six or, or seven wins, it seems like. It doesn't seem like the L.A. Rams or what was the St. Louis Rams were terrible. They weren't a two- or three-win team, but they can't get over the hump uh, in that division. They, they keep winning six, seven games. But they always, they always have good defense, and they always seem to give 
you know, teams like Seattle a really hard time. The Rams are one of those teams that sort of has the special sauce and knows how to beat uh, the Seattle Seahawks. So it's a very, very good division. Uh, you know, this year, uh, if you just look at the quarterback situation, uh, Seattle has hands down the best quarterback. They've got the best football team. you got to think they're going to be favored uh, to win this division. They, they should be an 11-win football club. Most of their defense is still there. They've still got good players. Uh, obviously, Marshawn Lynch is now two years gone, and uh, but the running game was still solid last year. So uh, I, I've always loved Russell Wilson as a quarterback. He did not have a great year last year, uh, but I think that'll change, and I think that he will – uh, have a better year this year, and then the, the Seahawks should win this division uh, with, with, with 10, maybe 11 wins. Yeah, they won it last year by three full games with a 10-5-1 and one record in the offseason. They went and they signed a good guard, Luke Jokel, to a big one-year deal. They brought in Eddie Lacy for some running back depth. They gave up their kicker, Stephen Hauschka, and now they've got Blair Walsh. We'll see how that goes, but they're pretty much the same team. I think the question is, are they still cool with Sherman? He's getting up there in years. Cam Chancellor's a little bit older. And it's amazing to see that secondary. They were unbelievable. You couldn't pass on the Seahawks for a while. But, you know, these guys get up there late 20s, and they they lose a little bit of a step, and suddenly they become a little more susceptible. And I think that's, I don't know if it's the Achilles heel of Seattle right now, but it's something to watch for as they become older and maybe Sherman gets a little bit uptight there in Seattle. Well, that, that defense that the Seahawks play, and, and they play the same defense over Atlanta, you know, it's Dan Quinn's defense. Uh, there's a lot of zone coverage within that defense. So uh, you have to have DBs that can cover, but really what's more important is the pass rush. Uh, if the pass rush isn't getting there, uh, those DBs can be exposed. There are holes in the defense. You just need, you know, seven steps with a couple hitches in the pocket uh, to get the ball out to, you know, to, to, to find those open receivers. Uh, the problem, I think, with Seattle's defense last year has less to do with their secondary, but it's more of the secondary got exposed a little bit because the, the defensive line wasn't as dominant as it had been in the past. Carson Palmer, 37 years old. Been in the league for an eternity. In 2004, he started his career. Still threw for 4,200 yards last year, 26 TDs, 14 interceptions. His stats were not that bad. They weren't like they were the year before, but they weren't bad. Do you think Palmer still has a couple good years left? He's close to coming to the end. You know, that, the, the Arizona Cardinals are one of those teams like the Steelers, uh, the Giants, um, Phillip Rivers uh, over with the Chargers. Uh, you know, sort of these four teams all have an, an, an olding, uh, aging quarterback that, you know, fairly soon uh, is going to retire or just not going to be up to par to be a starter. We just don't know what year it's going to be. You know, how many does Eli have left? How many does Ben Roethlisberger have left? So uh, he's, he's right in that mix. Uh, he did have a better year last year. You know, you would go back just a couple years ago, he was having an unbelievable season, uh, played really poorly in the playoff game. It seemed like that sort of was a hangover. Uh, into the following year uh, and didn't play well two years ago. But then last year, played pretty good football, uh, but the team wasn't that good. Uh, it is a tough division, and, uh, and, and they, were, they were kept out of the playoffs. So I think this is sort of a make-or-break year for Carson Palmer. You know, if he doesn't have a really good year, it's really time for them to start looking to move on. If he has another great year, uh, he probably gets another year or two, you know, with a, uh, with, with a contract or whatever. But I think this is sort of a... This year will decide what ha- what's the future of Carson Palmer in Arizona. He is right at that age where 
usually players start you know declining their performance or you know or, or some of their best players start declining their performance. I mean Larry Fitzgerald's up there too. He's he's been in the league now about 13 years or so, a first ballot Hall of Famer. He's getting up there. So you know the older he gets, the worse Carson Palmer's going to be as well. Right, and I don't believe the Cardinals drafted a quarterback, did they? I, not even a late-round guy. I think they just stuck with Drew Stanton as their backup. Drew Stanton, and, and I believe they just went out and got um, uh, the, the San Francisco quarterback. Uh, oh, that, Gabbard. You know, Blaine Gabbard uh, you yeah. know, last week or two weeks ago. So they got a couple guys on the roster. But, no, this is this is Carson Palmer's football team. They didn't, you know, they didn't draft anybody to challenge him. They didn't really bring anybody in free agency to challenge him. Uh, he's got to play better football. Uh, he's been a very consistent quarterback, you know, for for a long, long time in this league. Again, not a guy who's very mobile, uh, and they're going to have to play better defense and probably run the ball a little better. I just don't see them. Uh, you know, this offense is one of those high-powered offenses that you know the quarterbacks every year throw for four thousand yards, and Bruce Arians loves to air it out. I'm not sure. Sort of like with New Orleans with Drew Brees, I'm not sure if Carson Palmer uh, can sort of carry the weight to the franchise and. You know, try to lead this team deep in the playoffs by throwing for almost 5,000 yards. I think they need a, a little bit of a different strategy and, and make Carson a little more of a game manager, uh, an executor, and less of a uh, you know guy who's always attacking down the field. And we sort of talked about this with Dallas, too, on Friday. Arizona lost a lot of defense in, in free agency. Calais Campbell, Tony Jefferson, Marcus Cooper, DJ Swearinger, Kevin Minter, a lot of departures. So that defense is going to need to regroup. They still have Honey Badger. They still have Patrick Peterson. So there's talent there. Last one on the NFC West. I know you're a big Kyle Shanahan fan, and they were as active as anybody. They bring in Garcon, Malcolm Smith, Earl Mitchell. They were splashy in free agency. They were splashy in the draft. Solomon Thomas, Reuben Foster. It was a really busy offseason for San Francisco. Going from two wins, you really can't do much worse. You've got a new face of the franchise at coach, new face at GM. There's a lot to look forward to with San Francisco for sure. The question is, can they be competitive in year one of the new regime? Yeah, and then when they were there uh, winning with hardball, it, it was a lot of that defense. It was defense and running game. It was really old school football. I mean, it's it's funny with Harbaugh and the old you know uh, the old Chicago Bears quarterback in Ditka. I mean, it, they that's how they were winning. Uh, and that defense got old in a hurry. Literally overnight, that defense went from one of the best in the league uh, to below average. They had a couple guys retire, lost some guys in free agency. Uh, I think the deal with San Francisco, it's all about patience. Uh, they have to have a patient football team, patient fans. Uh, they they signed both Lynch and Shanahan to six-year contracts, which you generally don't see. Usually they're four, maybe five years for head coaches and GMs. They signed these guys to a six-year deal. They want to be in this thing for the long run. They know they don't really have a, a top-flight quarterback now, just have Brian Hoyer. Uh, they know they have to rebuild that defense with some drafts. They wanted to uh, sort of lay a foundation for long-term success and to get back in the hunt in the NFC West. So I like what they did. I think the owners also know that both Lynch and Shanahan will probably make a few mistakes along the way, as everybody does. But in particular, you know, first-time head coach and GM, they're going to make mistakes. But I think they think the, the, the risk is worth it of all the positive, you know, attributes that they uh, you know, bring to the table. And, and Lynch and Shanahan have known each other forever. you got to realize, you know, Kyle – Growing up as a you know the Denver Broncos uh, you know Mike Shanahan's son sort of the ball boy you know John Lynch was uh, was around uh, you know that uh, you know that team at the time and and uh, so they've known each other for a long long time and and uh, I think uh, that they're going to be a good 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 tag team uh, Brian Hoyer 
Uh, I wrote, I wrote, uh, I believe last week in the score, maybe it was two weeks ago, that you know Brian Hoyer is an interesting quarterback for this 49ers team. He had his of his nine-year career, he had his hands down his best year, threw for about 3,300 yards with Kyle. I think it was about 14 games uh, back with the Cleveland Browns. I mean the crappy Cleveland Browns, and Brian Hoyer went seven six uh, and threw for about 3,300 yards uh, about four years ago. Uh, and at that time, I think he only had about four starts under his belt before that season. So he was a really young guy just sort of working his way up and executed at a very high level in that offense. So the question is, you know, now about 25 starts later, can Brian Hoyer play as well, if not better, uh, in this offense? I think the biggest issue is, you know, they don't have, you know, Josh Gordon was on that team and they were throwing to him where they don't have Josh Gordon in San Francisco, they don't have weapons, uh, you know, like that right now. So uh, I, I think that Brian Hoyer is the perfect fit for this team. If they can get some weapons around him, uh, I think he, this team could be, uh, you know, that could win five, six, seven games uh, this year. I think Shanahan immediately makes them better. I think his style of coaching, his style of offense and defense makes that team better. Uh, and they will be an, an improved football team. But again, patience is the key word here. And this is this franchise is not going to turn around overnight. It fell off a pretty steep cliff there with with, with coaches, uh, with, with players getting old and retiring or, or moving on, uh, and they have to rebuild that thing back up. Yep, the Chip Kelly era didn't do much for San Francisco, and now they turn to Shanahan. And Hoyer, 31 years old, two-year deal, so if he's the guy, uh, I think he still has some good years left. I want to end the show by talking about overtime because the NFL is talking about messing with overtime once more and depleting it from 15 minutes to 10 minutes and doing the same in preseason as well. First of all, I don't know why they have preseason overtime at all. That doesn't make much sense to me. Second of all, I don't know if I like the change in the regular season. I feel like the modified overtime was a definite improvement on the previous system where first team to score wins. And now it's sort of becoming, I think, more sudden death because if you score first in a 10-minute overtime – then there's not much time left for the other team. And I was always under the impression that the new rules were meant to somewhat mitigate the importance of the coin toss. Make it so if you lost the coin toss, you weren't losing the game at such a high rate. Think back to 2015. The Vikings deferred the overtime coin toss against St. Louis and still won the game. But now, with 10 minutes, I think you have to accept every time and you have easily a 75% chance of winning. Well, I think the you have to look at the why the, re, the rule has changed, and it's all about trying to shorten the game because of, you know, quote-unquote player safety. And so they're, they're thinking, you know, fewer snaps out there. Um, I, I, I understand why that's the case. I think this actually makes sense. It sort of um, makes everybody hurry up and say, hey, we, you know, time is a factor in the overtime. And, and I think the Players Association didn't like these really, really long overtimes uh, because it just added more and more reps. And, you know, the, the brutal nature of football, those reps at the end of a football game when guys are all beat up, you know, from playing 60, 65, 70 snaps throughout the game, those are, you could say, almost more painful uh, and probably harder on the body than those ones in the first quarter. So I think that had a lot to do with it. Uh, I think also what had a lot to do with it was, you know, the NFL, when that game starts at noon uh, on Sunday, uh, it needs to be over by 3 or 3.15 because there's another game coming on. And, you know, TV runs the NFL. The, the majority of uh, money uh, that comes in the league comes from television. So they do whatever they can for player safety is what, they're, what they say. Uh, but I think a lot has to do with, 
Uh, there are a lot of overtime games, it seems like, and, and they need to be done you know, in, in time for that next game that's coming up. So I think you were part of the game in 2009 in New Orleans. I think that was one of the biggest catalysts toward the NFL changing the rules because they realized oh, the Vikings didn't have a chance. That was such a big game. And now they're going back potentially to this 10-minute deal. So I guess if you had the choice, Sage, would you rather have sudden death, first team to score wins, or a greater potential to have ties? Because that's what we're going to have now. We're going to have a lot more ties. Just as a fan and an analyst, would you, would you rather have the old way or this new way? I like the new way better. I, I would rather have a tie, or in the case of the playoffs, there is no time. There really is no time. It just sort of keeps on going. Um, or they restart another 10 minutes for something like a playoff game. But, you know, that 2009 championship game, uh, it, it's a real shame that, you know, Favre and that offense never had a chance to get the ball back uh, because the other team basically got a couple, they had a couple first downs. They had a terrible penalty, uh, I, I believe, on Ben Lieber um, as a pass interference that was a total phantom call, which put them in field goal range uh, to kick a field goal. So, you know they they got they had a couple I said they had a couple plays and and, and one bad call next thing you know that that's the game. Uh, imagine what the drama would have been if Favre would have got the ball back in his hands to go back out in the field. Uh, I think the NFL missed a great opportunity there. Opportunity there, and I think they understand that. You know when they have a one and done overtime rule, you know one team superstars or superstar quarterback may never hit the field, and that's a crying shame. He, the, you know the, the, sometimes the best players. Uh, can't control the out, uh, outcome of a game. So I think the NFL learned from that, and I like the way they changed the rule to where everybody sort of gets an equal shot unless there's that touchdown scored first. So I know on this show, when it comes to breaking news, I'm sort of the boy who cried wolf. I break news whenever possible for very minor things. I actually have some breaking news here that's pretty significant. A statement from the Minnesota Vikings general manager Rick Spielman regarding head coach Mike Zimmer. Quote, as the Vikings begin OTA practices, Coach Zimmer will be taking time away from the team to dedicate to recovering from eye surgery and restoring his health. We all agree Mike's health is the priority, and we believe rest and recovery are in his best interest for the long term. We anticipate Mike back on the field in a few weeks. So this is big and not totally unexpected just because we knew he had some more eye surgeries that were not part of the plan. I think what was supposed to happen was surgery in April, surgery in June, done. But what's happened is I, th- I believe he's had three additional surgeries just in May that were not I, intended. I was going to say, I believe I read an article the other day that, that he's had eight surgeries so far. Yeah. He's about to go in for his eighth surgery. So, yeah, the, if he doesn't have his vision, um, that just that would really stink uh, from a, you know, just a life perspective, much less football. So, you know, the OTAs are really important in those things, but uh, the, the, the team will do just fine without, uh, without their head coach there for the next few weeks. And we, man, we really hope that Mike Zimmer gets uh, his full, uh, full vision back and that, that his eye can be, you know, finally, you know, back to health. Yeah, we do. I would imagine that Mike Prefer will take on some of the duties of just moving things along from a logistical standpoint. And and obviously, when you're in these OTA sessions, you're kind of in your small position groups, and then the coordinators can probably take over once they get into the full team. So they'll they'll survive without Mike, and we hope Mike gets better. The Vikings have open media session on Wednesday, so we'll probably get more details then. So that's the breaking news on Lockdown Vikings. That is the show, an eventful episode 200. Sage, 
Thanks for joining for 200 shows, and we will talk to you soon. Sounds good. Looking forward to the next 200. Awesome. That's Sage. I'm Sam, at Sam Ekstrom on Twitter, at Sage Rosenfels18. Thanks for listening. This is the Locked On Podcast Network. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org catalyst.